Welcome to the Make Learning Magical podcast. Today, I'm thrilled to have the incredible Rachel Mann on the show. Rachel is, a pas- is passionate about all things related to education, technology, and science. She is an edu-futurist who believes in the importance of shaping the educational philosophies and spaces of today by looking toward the innovations of tomorrow. Rachel is a frequent keynote speaker at conferences and events across the country, and she speaks and writes about disruptive technology, education, and careers. She's the author of The Spaces You Will Go and co-author of Martians in Your Classroom, an educational title about integrating STEM into the classroom, utilizing space-related initiatives. Welcome, Rachel. Oh, thank you. It's so great to be here, Tisha. It's always nice to have a conversation with you, and I appreciate you inviting me to your podcast. Oh, my goodness. I've been so excited about having you on. Um, Truly a highlight, I think, of 2019 was getting a chance to connect with you. We first connected um, just via Twitter and phone conversations, and then this last month, we finally got to meet face-to-face at the ACTE conference in Anaheim, and oh my goodness, I just felt like I was, like we were soul sisters. We just connected right away, and I just so enjoyed that time with you and getting to know you better. Oh, absolutely. You know, and it's just amazing how the world has changed so much that you had a few phone conversations, but when I met you in person, it truly was the same person that I'd been getting to know already. And it just felt so natural to be able to hang out and spend a week at a conference together. And just, it felt like we'd known each other forever. So it's just a re- really cool dynamic to be able to use um, tech for good and build relationships in the education community. Absolutely. I know I think about my journey and, you know, six years ago, I was not a connected educator. I really didn't even know that Twitter for educators existed, you know, and that people were, I didn't even know what the acronym PLN stood for. And it's amazing to think back on this journey and how so many people that I've met via social media and especially Twitter have now become some of my closest friends. And it's, it's, it's pretty exciting and powerful. And, and I think too, I think we're all kind of drawn to that space because we're all passionate and we find these people that are like-minded and, and passionate about the same things that we are. And it's like, oh, we all of a sudden feel this natural connection, which is really cool. You know, and what's interesting about that is I think back to early in my career, I, uh, as a, as a new teacher in at 20, I guess 1999 was my first year teaching and that just shows my age. Um, but it was just that sense of feeling so alone and isolated. I had, I had a program that, um, I was a single person in my department. There was no one else in my department. So it was just this sense of feeling very lonely. And now, now with our connections through, uh, through Twitter, LinkedIn, all the Instagram, all these uh, places where we can connect, you, really, you don't feel isolated. You're able to connect with people and share strategies and ask questions and have this safe place, usually safe, um, to really go and connect with people and uh, share those common um, threads and find solutions to them. Absolutely. And I think I can so relate to you and your um, journey because you were a culinary teacher as well. And you have lived in this world of career and technical education. And so have I. And and I can so relate to that feeling of isolation because I think especially uh, in career and technical, a lot of times we are the singleton teachers on our campuses and sometimes in our districts. And so to not have those groups of people that we can really, you know, lesson plan together and 
and chat with can feel really isolating. And I think that was one of the things that I really discovered when I started getting connected on Twitter was that I could connect with educators and they didn't even have to be culinary teachers or career and technical teachers, but I could, I could, I could be inspired by these people in this space and challenged by the things that they were doing in their classroom and then take those things and bring them into my own classroom and make them my own. And it was like, I, okay, I don't have to live in this, in this silo of, of even just career and technical or just culinary. Like I can learn from people across the globe that are, you know, teaching completely different contents, different grade levels, maybe, you know, learn from coaches and administrators. And it really um, just helps us feel connected to the, to the world of education in any way. So. Absolutely. It's so true. Yeah. So I would love for you to share just a little bit more about your journey into education and how you got to this point in your career. You know, Tisha, it's interesting how I uh, was a kind of a lost soul and had no idea what I wanted to do. You know, I grew up in West Virginia and there it's very common just to become a a mom, to get married right out of high school and become a mom. And there was, there weren't really any expectations for me. So when I went to college, uh, family and friends would tease that I was going for my MRS degree. I was telling that to my nephew the other day and it took him a couple of minutes to get it, but you know, that I was going there to find a husband, which wasn't the key. <laughs> that wasn't me. That wasn't who I was. Right. And so, uh, you know, I explored a couple of different majors and then I decided on uh, going into education with a CTE certificate. And even, even during that time, I just, I thought back to my, uh, my experience with school and I didn't like school. So part of the reason that I think that I uh, that what made me successful as an educator is the fact that I looked at those kids who hated school, mm-hmm. and it rem- I saw myself in them, and I wanted to find ways to make it different, to make them feel welcome, to make them feel safe, um, and and I think that that was something that it turned out to be an advantage was my dislike for education and then going into education and really working with kids and being able to connect with and relate to them. And as you know, a lot of kids who go into CTE, they need those hands-on pieces. Sometimes education is going to school. That's the thing that they're living for, that they're, uh, that they're excited about each day. And that's the only reason they go to school that day. Um, so, so yeah, it was something that was, uh, that even during my teaching career, there were several times where I thought, you know, this isn't for me, especially early in my career. I left for a bit and got a, I got a massage certificate and started my own business for a therapeutic massage. And I loved having my own business. It was great money, but I realized that I miss teaching. <laughs> and I realized that I'm like, oh, I miss my students. You know, that really is the right path for me. I left another time to help a friend start a restaurant, which was great because as a culinary teacher and a technology teacher, there was so much that after that year of helping him start a business that I could take back into my practice as a culinary teacher. But yeah, it really, it really was something that, um, that I think that it, it was meant to be. It really truly was my destiny and it's my purpose in life to be in education, but it's, but it wasn't something that was super deliberate. It just, it, it kind of, uh, you know, I kind of fell into it. Right. Right. That is awesome. And you have 
written two books. You have co-authored The Martians in Your Classroom, and you have just released recently, I was so excited to be a part of this at the conference in Anaheim at ACTE, The Spaces You Will Go, which is a children's book, and it is absolutely adorable. Both books are incredible. And I would love for you just to share a little bit about how how did you become an author? How did this idea come in your head? And, and maybe then kind of go in a little bit to how to what the books are about. Oh, th thank you. Thank you so much. And I'm so glad that you were there for that release, the debut of The Space Digital Go a few weeks ago. Um, the, for the first book, The Martians in Your Classroom, I was actually... Uh, I, had, I was on a flight to LA that was supposed to be equipped with Wi-Fi, and it wasn't. It's a short flight, but in my mind, I thought, oh, what am I going to do for the next hour? <laughs> so, so I picked up the Southwest Air magazine from the seat in front of me, and I opened it up. And right in the middle, there's this beautiful picture of Mars and a quote by Stephen Sanford about Mars being within reach and that we could actually be on Mars by 2030. And then he starts, within the article, he starts talking about the education system and how important it is for us to transform education in order for these different things to play out. And, you know, it really, it made me think differently about education. And so I bought his book, The Gravity Well, and read that and was just blown away by everything in it. And just, you know, I've always, I've always loved space, but to read that book and to really make the connections between space and education and how the two can really drive each other, uh, it, it was just very fascinating for me. And so I was going to be in D.C. to do a keynote at a STEM conference, and I knew that he lived on the East Coast. So I asked him if I could do an interview and write an article for Techniques Magazine that's through ACTE while I was out there. And so we did the, we did the interview. He met up with me. Fortunately, he was available that day. And uh, we did the interview. And at the end of the interview, he asked me, he said, you know, I really want you to write the next, my next book with me. And I told him that he had the wrong person. <laughs> I said, oh, no, you have the wrong person. And he said, no, you, I've, looked, I've been following your work um, through social media. I've uh, looked you up online. And I really think that the work that you do really complements what I'm, what I'm looking for. And I couldn't say no. It just felt like it was almost a divine appointment that I had to write this book with him. And so we did not see each other again through the entire journey. It wasn't until after the book was published and we were doing our first book signing together that we saw each other again in person, which was really cool too, just to be able to not only as an educator collaborate with someone who's in industry and kind of make those connections between what industry sees as the needs for education, but then also to do this virtual collaboration during this entire time. Um, so, that, so that was really uh, just, a, 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 I felt very fortunate and grateful to have that experience. And then um, the spaces you'll go when I was working on the Martians in your classroom and was really digging into some of the stats on STEM and making the connection between this shortage of people going into STEM and education. If we don't have people teaching STEM, then we don't have kids going into STEM. Um, and then we don't have these roles filled that are really going to change the landscape of the world around us. And that really got me interested in writing a children's book and also really focusing on, because when you look at the stats, we also, we don't have a lot of females going into STEM. So I wanted the main character to be a girl and just getting interested at a young age and becoming explorers and innovators and looking at space as kind of a way to uh, really uh, raise that curiosity. So the space as you'll go was kind of a spinoff because of 
this, uh, the work that I did with the Martians in your classroom. And so that turned into uh, the character Cass, uh, with her with her sidekick, King of Blue, who is a stuffed animal by day, but then goes into a dream phase, and he's a life-size robot kangaroo. Um, but they're exploring 17 space-related careers that are both on Earth and both in, and in space, but still connected to space. So it could be designing space suits. It could be working on flying cars as a mechanic, you know, being uh, uh, <clears throat> just a all of these different things that you could do. It could even be a space farmer, <laughs> but just different careers that could get them excited about space. And also adding in some extra resources in the, in the back. And we also were working on an online website with resources that teachers can use for free to help um, in the classroom for early childhood and for grades K through two to be able to make those connections in the classroom and get kids really thinking about all the wonderful things they can do at a young age. Well, it's an amazing book, and the illustrations are just gorgeous. It's just beautifully written, beautifully illustrated, and has such a powerful message. I love that you are able to open up the possibilities of, of what's possible and help kids start dreaming. Like, the sky's the limit. They, you know, they can achieve whatever they want to and, and be able to explore their passions. And so I just love the book so much. I love both books so much. And um, I, it was funny, when I first read... Martians in your classroom the first in the first I think chapter you talk about James Taylor like you refer to James Taylor and I'm like oh my gosh I can, can, can totally connect with her because I love James Taylor in fact when I was in college I don't this would not be your typical like running you know soundtrack or like CD but I had my disc man my CD disc man and I had James Taylor and I would run I would run to James Taylor the greatest hits and so oh, Iron Rain awesome. you know all those songs are, um, I still like when I run, I'll want, just like, I want to, you know, bring back those, those, uh, those songs because it's just really nostalgic for me. So anyway, when I read that, I'm like, Oh, we, I, I know I'm going to be friends with this. <laughs> this woman. She's amazing. So anyway, awesome books. And I, you know, I, I think about this, how you have this, this Martians in your classroom and then you have this children's book and how different that writing process seems like it would be. You know, I, I, what, how was that different? Like, how did you approach writing a children's book in comparison to co-authoring Martians in your classroom? Oh, it was such a different process. And I didn't even realize at that time what a different process that it would be. Uh, but as I said, well, first of all, finding someone to publish the children's book was difficult. I went through, uh, I went to three different publishers before finding a publisher that said yes, that they wanted to publish this book. The first three said, no, children's book don't, children's books do not make money, they don't sell, which we both saw at the conference that that's not true. <laughs> People were very excited, which I was so excited to see. Um, but but I, but I you know, my heart sunk and I'm like, this book has to happen. I believe in this, it has to happen. And I found a publisher, initially a gal in Ireland who was going to publish the book and she was fantastic, but it was just difficult working between the time zones. And then um, found Grapho House and uh, the the uh, publisher at Grapho House that, uh, that I worked with, he uh, was just, he was very passionate about space. He has four children. So he was even able to test out some of these ideas and thoughts on his kids. They helped with choosing the name, <laughs> which, you know, asking which names resonated with them. 
but, uh, but it was also, you have to real, like, I think a lot of people, I've had so many people say to me, I want to write a children's book. I've always wanted to write a children's book, but it's not just about writing a story. There has to be a purpose to it. You're also, you're, you're taking complicated concepts sometimes and you're, ta- you're explaining them for a child to understand. So it's much more uh, simplifying the words, uh, making them rhyme, which the Martians in your classroom is not a rhyming book. <laughs> so getting the tempo, the beat down for that um, was something that I had to learn and work through. And then also you have such a small number of words that you're supposed to use in a children's book. So you really have to be very deliberate when you have that word count. You have to be so deliberate with the words that you choose. And you also have to remember that like people think that ch- their audience is children and I realize it's not. And, I, and from even reading about how to write a children's book, your audience first is going to be the parents, the decision makers who are going to buy the book, you know, it could be librarians, teachers, parents, whoever it may be, the stores. Yeah. So that's your first audience before it ever gets in the hands of children. So also making sure you're speaking to them. So it was definitely a completely different process. And then also I was so blessed to find uh, Nacho, my illustrator, because, and that was actually my publisher gave me two options of illustrators. And when I saw Nacho's portfolio, I was just blown away by his, uh, just uh, his work really spoke to me. So I was just very excited to have him do the artwork and it was just uh, he he took my words and put them into images that I would have never even thought of. So I was really excited about the work that he did with the book. Oh yeah, no, it's it's really beautiful. So that is so exciting. So I can't believe that we are on the last day of 2019. I just can't even believe how fast this year has flown by and um, you have accomplished so many great things. What is one thing in 2019 that you would say you crushed and that you just feel super proud of? Yeah, I would have to say that the spaces you'll go just because it went through so much rejection before it got there. That was something I was really excited that it happened. And then also it, it was a little bit of work getting it out in time for the, um, for it to be released at ACT's mm-hmm. conference. So we really had to push through some deadlines. And then at one point, I, my publisher came to me and said that it was going to have to be paperback instead of hardcover, at least for now. And I, usually I think I'm a pretty agreeable person, but I, poor guy, I was just like, no, no, it has to be hardcover. And, and I am so blessed too, because I, some publishers would just say, no, this is how it is. But he said, okay, I'm going to make this happen for you. So again, you know, someone believing in this and uh, really helping to make it a real reality. Um, so, so yeah, I, I would say that that was just one of my moments that I had so many, uh, there were so many points where I didn't think it was going to happen. So when it finally did happen, it just seemed like, wow, okay. All right. <laughs> we did this and did it before the end of the end of the year. So that was exciting. Yeah. Amazing. And amazing that you could release it at the ACT conference. So very, very cool. So as you know, I've been thinking a lot lately just about this past decade, I don't know, like it didn't really occur to me until fairly recently, like I knew 2020 was coming, but really thinking about it in terms of a decade and how a full decade has passed and um, gosh, so much has happened. And then thinking towards, you know, 2020 and the decade ahead and things that I want to accomplish, dreams that I have that I want to crush what are some things that you're looking to, you know, forward to in the coming year, or maybe even projecting a little further into um, 
the next decade, something that you, you're really, are, what's, what's a dream that you have? You know, well, first, before, before I answer your question, I want to mention that your blog post that you, uh, that you put out a couple of days ago was just such a great reflective opportunity for me to read through and see your timeline of the last decade. And there were so many connections. When I was looking through your timeline, I'm like, that's the same year I joined Twitter. That's the same year I did my first, uh, first talk at a, at a national conference. You know, it was just really cool to see those commonalities. And I'm like, oh, wow. You know, just again, the, those connections between our, our lives and our journeys, even though we didn't even know each other at the time. Um, but, Ahead. Like, I think that made me think back to uh, the beginning of this decade and where I was at in my life. I had no idea what was, what was ahead, what was going to happen and the different things that would, um, opportunities that were coming. Just uh, fascinating to think about how, how many things I didn't expect to happen that just weren't on my radar occurred in the past decade. And so I know that there's, it's, it's so hard to predict what is going to happen. I do know I want to continue writing, which after I wrote The Martians Near Classroom, it was so, such a relief for it to be published. I thought, okay, I'm not going to write another book. At least if I do, it'll be a few years from now. And then of course, within a year, I've already written another book. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm sure there's going to be some more books coming out. I would like to turn the spaces you'll go into a series. I would like for the next one to be the things you'll code. So kind of keeping with the title, the spaces you'll go, the next one will be the things you'll code. And then possibly even a third one on the things you'll grow and looking at farming, how farming is trans agriculture has transformed over the years. And how much technology is going to be used in farming in the future with vertical farming, with the, the use of drones in agriculture, all of these different things that are happening now, but will be more prevalent when the kids of today are thinking about, are actually in these different careers. So possibly looking at a series for that, um, I would I would love to see it develop into something more to where there's actually, you know, little Kanga Blue toy merchandise that uh, when you turn it inside out, it turns into a robot. Uh, you know, you know, we'll, we'll see where that goes. If it turned into something more, that would be super exciting. So I think that really thinking about the young children and how to inspire them is uh, something that's that's super, super rewarding and very much needed. Um, and then also just continuing the speaking piece. I really think that uh, spreading the message and also empowering other women to speak and use their voice so that we see a lot more women on the stage in the education community, uh, keynoting and making an impact. I think that that's important. That is so exciting. And isn't it wild, like when you think back on your journey, how when we take leaps and we, we step out there out of our comfort zone to try something new, um, it, we just, we get braver, right? And more courageous. And then that sparks new ideas and new things that we want to try and accomplish. And I, you know, I, I think that was one of the biggest ahas I had when I was looking back at this past decade at how some of those things that I was really actually fearful of now have turned into my greatest passions and how important it is to just step out, you know, of your comfort zone and take those leaps. And I know in, in your book, I wrote down this quote that you have, it says biggest regrets are the things that the things they didn't attempt to do because of fear or failure. And I think about that. If, if I would have let my fear of, of public speaking or my fear of flying get in the way of just stepping out and and taking a leap you know i wouldn't have had all of these amazing opportunities that have come my way especially in the past six years and um 
so it's it's exciting you know, just to, to think back at, at, at the growth and, you know, having our journeys be so paralleled, um, you know, I'm sure that you feel, you know, that too, that, that there's so much growth has happened when we step out of our comfort zones. Yeah. And it's, and it really is this matter of being audacious and thinking bigger. We don't think big enough. And the bigger we think, the more we accomplish. It's just really having those thoughts and then putting them out there. And somehow it, it just, everything starts falling into place for it to happen. When I first, uh, my first keynote talk came after uh, my friend, uh, Jamie Cassip, who he's the Google evan education evangelist. And I'd gone to him to asking for a favor. We needed someone to keynote an event for at no cost. And sometimes he is very generous in doing that um, for different events that we had asked for him to do. And so I went to him and he said, no, he wasn't available. And I said, well, do you know of someone else? And he said, yeah, you. And he planted this seed and I, and I kind of laughed to myself. I'm like, I'm not a keynote speaker. And then I started actually looking up, how do you become a keynote speaker? And it was just like that seed was planted. And then I, uh, a few months later, I, I had uh, submitted to, to do a breakout session at a conference. And the organizer called me up and said, hey, could you do that as a keynote instead? And it was just mind blowing how, you know, all of a sudden there was this opportunity that I don't know would have been there before if that idea hadn't been planted. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think back on my first public speaking, you know, at a conference event, and I had, it was actually my business teacher in high school. Um, she was working at our, we have these, um, yes, we call them ESD uh, education service districts, and she was in charge of tech for our region, and she was the one that organized our local tech conference, and I had just recently um, become part of our ed tech cadre in our region, and um, I had started kind of venturing into gamification at that time, and I had shared with her, I think, at the ed tech cadre meeting about it, and she she had reached out to me soon after and said, you really should present, you know, at this ed tech conference. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I don't know. Like that is so scary for me. And at the time I, I had really been connecting with Michael Matera, author of Explore Like a Pirate about gamification. And I remember talking to him and saying, you know, they've asked me to do this. I just don't know. I don't think I can do it. And he says, yes, you can, you can do this. And, um, and so sure enough, I did. And, and I, re oh, I was so scared. I it was a day that I had, it was my son's birthday. I remember it was, I was co helping choreograph this Milli Vanilli lip sync comp uh, contest at our school. It's <laughs> like a dance competition between classes and that. And I thought, I just don't know that I can do this. And I was just nauseous. And I remember step being outside of that room. A couple people had come out of the session before, and I thought, oh, good. There's not very many people. This is kind of out of the way room. I bet no one's going to come. Well, people started flooding into the room, I think because the keynote speaker was talking about gamification. So they probably thought I was the keynote speaker. So by mistake, they probably came to my session. And it was just, they had to actually turn people away. And I was like, I cannot believe this is happening right now. But then it started, as soon as I started sharing my passion, then I was like, okay, like this, I, this is awesome. Like I get to share something that I'm super passionate about. And, and really that was all it took was that one leap that, you know, really stepping out of something, really stepping out of my comfort zone 
in an area that was really a, a place of fear for me. And then experiencing, experiencing, I don't know if I would call it success, but experiencing this, wow, this is, this is what I'm supposed to be doing right now. I need to be sharing my passion. And, and so it's, you know, it's those people that believe in you too, right? Like Jamie believed in you. He believed that you could do it. And just like Michael believed that I could do it. And I think that that's, um, really so important to have those people in your life that can kind of encourage you and push you out of those comfortable places saying, no, this, this is something that, that you can, you can accomplish and you need to. So. Well, and that, and that passion piece too, when you're speaking from the heart on something you're passionate about, people want that. It is, it's contagious and people, and, and in the education community, I think that sometimes people hold themselves back. They think, oh no, I couldn't do that. But yeah, it, it, anyone can do, can do this. It really is finding that passion and, it, and stepping out there, saying yes to the opportunities and risking failure. Absolutely. And, and usually it's not going to, it's not going to result in failure, but Hey, it, it's worth that risk. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, um, I know that there have been so many uh, books that I, well, I have a stack of books that I want to be diving into this year that I, that I need to just start opening up. And I, I've been listening to audible books, which has been helpful to me too. Um, cause I can do that while I'm running and while I'm driving in the car, but, um, and podcasts too have been really, um, helpful for me to just continue growing as an educator. And I'm wondering if you have any books or podcasts that you would recommend to our listeners that have really inspired you in the past year. You know, I, uh, for, well, for one, I think that uh, Ray Kurzweil and Peter Diamandis, uh, their interview that they just did for 2019, every year they get together and do an interview. And I highly recommend them. I think that as educators, it's important for us to not just read education books or watch education uh, videos, podcasts, whatnot, because um, there's so much that we can learn about what business and industry needs. And sometimes too, when we listen to these conversations and we hear people start talk, people who aren't in education talking about education, it, for me at least, because I know Ray and Peter in this interview, they talk some on education and they see our education system is very broken, but some of the ideas that they have in education are happening. And as educators, we're not making it visible. I think that we are a very humble group with an education and people feel as if they're bragging when they put out all these great things that are happening in the classroom. We owe it to the world to share our stories and to make what's happening visible because otherwise people will keep seeing, they're not going to see all of the, these wonderful things that are truly happening right now. Yes, there's areas that we need to work on, but that's true for any, any enterprise or organization. Um, so, so that would be, I would definitely recommend that interview. Um, there's a book called The Talent Code, Unlocking Human Potential that I read this past year that is phenomenal. I would also, of course, recommend Making Learning Magical. <laughs> a fantastic, inspiring book. Uh, but yeah, those, those are just a, a few things off the top of my head that would be uh, that I would recommend for folks in 2020 to check out. Awesome. Thank you so much. That is great. I jotted those down and I'll make sure I put those in uh, the show notes as well. And um, so last question, I know that we have um, both very similar passions about you know, just bringing technology into education, really, you know, reaching out, making global connections with, with other, you know, 
with others and bringing those global collaborations into our classroom and and just the um, the importance of bringing play. I know you have a quote in your book, much of what looks like play is where real learning happens. And I, I have so found that to be true in my own journey too. So I'm wondering if there is, um, whether, it's a, it, whether it's a digital tool or an innovative strategy that you think um, is, that you've seen just be really valuable in classroom learning that you'd like to share with the listeners. Yeah, you know, a couple, I'll share two different things. One is Wakelet. I discovered Wakelet in January of last year, and I absolutely love it as an organization tool for myself, but also as a way to uh, to take, the, take resources, say I'm doing a keynote or breakout session. For every presentation that I do, I create a Wakelet collection with all the resources so people can go back and see the research. That so this isn't just me making up stuff, that there's actually research behind it. But then also I throw in bonus materials, any of the video clips that were shown in the presentation. So as a presenter, it's really helpful for me to be able able to create these collections where I curate those different resources. But I can only imagine if that had been available when I was a classroom teacher to be able to use that for lesson plans or to create sub plans or be able to, you can have kids all collaborating on a Wakelet together. A teacher recently shared with me that during spring break, she did instead of a, um, a flat, uh, flat Stanley, she did a flat, she took one of her Bitmojis and made a flat version of her ah. and laminated it and had the kids throughout their break take pictures and upload it into this Wakelet collection so that they could see what each other, uh, what their experiences were um, throughout their, their spring break for that week. So uh, it was just kind of a cool way for them to collaborate outside of, outside of school. Um, but yeah, I would recommend that. And then I would also um, recommend recommend connecting with one of my friends that I've never met in person, um, Chris Woods. He's phenomenal. And he has, uh, he's at Daily STEM on Twitter, but he sends out these Daily STEM newsletters that are just so rich with resources that anyone can use to connect STEM to their learning spaces, regardless of what grade level or what content area you're teaching. So I would definitely recommend checking out those resources and tools that he's sharing out. He's also working on a book that, um, that I'm sure will be just as phenomenal as his podcast and the other resources that he, that he shares out on Twitter. That is fantastic. I will add those to the show notes too. And, and I totally agree with Wakelet. You know, they have really, what I love is that they're so responsive to what educators and people are wanting. And since I was introduced to it, goodness, it might've, it was less than two years ago. I know I don't, it's fairly new, a fairly new digital tool, but they continue to expand and make it more intuitive and have all of these different integrations. I know I love Wakelet for taking tweets that I see on Twitter because oftentimes I'll scroll through and I think, oh, I want to make sure that I go back to this, but I don't have time to read it now. And I will send it straight to Wakelet from my phone. So, and I can categorize things. So if there's something on Google or something on gamification, whatever it is, I can quickly categorize it into those folders. And then when I have time, I can go back and look at them. And so um, I love that you shared that tool because I, I agree it is, it is an awesome one. So Rachel, it's been so fun to talk to you today. I know that we could just go on and on and talk forever. And so I'm sure I will have you on the podcast again. But I thank you so much for taking the time today and 
just sharing with us. And I know that after this podcast, so many people are going to want to connect with you. So how can we find Rachel Mann? Uh, well, thank you so much for inviting me. It's, this, this time has gone by so fast. I love it, chatting with you. And I uh, would love to connect with listeners. If you look up at Rachel EDU, and that's R-A-C-H-A-E-L EDU, on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, you'll be able to, or even Wakelet, you'll be able to find me that way. On Facebook, I'm Rachel Lynn Mann, but you can also visit my website, www.rachelmann.co and connect with me there as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. I hope you have a wonderful new year and 2020. Oh, so thank you, Tisha. Happy 2020. Happy 2020. Have a magical day, everyone.